good morning. Like Karn said, it is the, the first service of 2019. So welcome. Uh, you're also six days into your New Year's resolution. How's that going? Did you make it a week? Maybe. Um, two of my New Year's resolutions is I'm going to stop biting my nails and I'm going to touch my toes. So I'm super inflexible. I can get to like right here. Like it's, it's bad. I know, it's really bad. But I'm going to do it. So I say this up here so you guys keep me accountable, right? If you see me biting my nails, I give you permission to slap my hand, all right? So I'm doing it. Now, it's not picking my nose, it's biting my nails, all right? So happy biting my nails. Um... But it's good to be together today. We're, we're doing our second part of uh, Crucial Conversations. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Today we're going to talk about uh, Jesus and Peter walking on water. So you guys ready? Let's go to Matthew 14. We're going to dig in and do it. In Matthew 14, I'm going to read 22 through 33. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he had dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. My first point is that Jesus comforts the fearful. So just imagine you're one of these people here, right? You had, just before this, they had just fed the 5,000, they had this big victory, and they get on the boat, they kind of get away from everyone, and it's between, my version says here, the fourth watch of the night, which is between about 3 and 6 a.m. So yours might say, like, right before dawn, so it's really dark, it's always darkest before the dawn, right? And it's dark, it's... It's stormy outside, there's the wind and, and the waves, and you've been rowing, and you're exhausted from the night, and you had just fed these 5,000 people, you had no sleep, you're just tired, right? And you look out on the waves, and, and maybe there's some moonlight or something, but it's kind of stormy, so it's foggy outside, and you think you see a figure, and, and someone's walking towards you. And they cried, it's a ghost. 
I'm seeing something. What is that? It's a ghost, and they're afraid. And they see Jesus, and some of you guys may know, but I, um, I have a history of sleepwalking. So I sleepwalk a lot. My roommates definitely know. And, and I may have told this story before. I can't remember. I think I may have told it to the campus. But one time I was, I was sleepwalking, and I, I usually am a pretty peaceful sleepwalker. I, I, don't, I don't, like, hurt anyone. <laughs> um, Michael, I know, is a sigh of relief. <laughs> I don't, like, wake up over them with a knife or anything. That would be terrifying. Um, but this time I remember I was, I was fearful. And it was like, I was kind of lucid sleepwalking. I was half awake, half asleep. And I, I vividly remember that there was, it was dark. I was getting bit by a bat. And there was a bat on me. And I saw something on TV about vampires or something. I don't know. You know, you know how your brain works. You'd see something that sticks with you. Um, and a bat was biting me. And I was going like this. And, and I remember I yelled out. Uh, Jake was our roommate at the time, Jake Mitchell. I yelled out Jake's name for some reason. I don't think I trusted Michael to help me. <laughs> Um, like, what's Michael going to do against the bat, right? <laughs> so I was like, Jake, 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 there's a bat. And Jake doesn't wake up, of course. He's like, whatever, dude, whatever. And then Michael rushes up and says, what's up, man, what's up? I'm like, I don't want you. <laughs> Love you, Mike. Um, but I remember I was really fearful. And it was kind of this irrational fear. And you turn on the lights, and there's no bat in my room. And... I was like, I could have swore I got bit by something. I was like looking for marks and nothing. The, the brain's a funny thing. It's a powerful thing, right? And, but I was fearful, and so were the disciples here, right? And Jesus walks up, and, and they're afraid. And I, I want to focus on Jesus' response. He says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. That word immediately is used three times in this passage. It's used at the very beginning. It's used when they're afraid and they think they see a ghost, and Jesus says immediately. And it's used when Peter starts to sink, and Jesus picks him up out of the water. Immediately. I don't know about you guys, but I take comfort in that. That well, The next two points are about boldness and about expectations, but to start it out is that Jesus, he knows when we're fearful, and he comforts that. He immediately reaches out. Because sometimes I can be fearful. Like, what, what is going on in my life? What am I doing? We've, we have all kinds of fears that can grasp us sometimes. But I love Jesus' initial quick response. He immediately responds. He immediately reaches out and helps Peter up. Immediately sees them when they're afraid. This, um, I kind of like, in my life, I can compartmentalize my disciple life into kind of three phases. So the first life is being a first phase is being a disciple in high school in San Antonio. The second phase is being a disciple in college in Texas. And the third phase is post college and being in the ministry here for the past year and a half. So I graduated in May of two thousand seventeen and then I moved up here to Kansas. And um I think moving here the first year in ministry was like it was amazing. It was awesome. We were like baptizing people left and right, and I was like, man, if, if this is what ministry is about, then sign me up for the rest of my life. Like, this is awesome. It's like college without school. I get to, like, hang out with people and play sports with guys, and there's athletic guys in the ministry, and it's, it's awesome. Like, this is great. And this past semester, while it was still great, it was a little bit harder, because 
there's some transition, and I'm learning new responsibilities and new roles, and I felt like sometimes I was a little bit under a microscope, and my character is being molded, and I'm learning things about myself that are a little bit scary. And as the church has gone through some transition, I've gained more responsibility. And even when I was in Texas, I, I looked at this ministry from afar, and I looked at the O'Quins, and I was like, man, it's an awesome ministry. It's so cool to see how it's grown and how, how fun it is. And, and that's part of the reason why I came here, to be trained by Willie, to be with the O'Quins. And um, now as the responsibilities change, I, in a way, it's like, I have a load here that's kind of scary. And there are people's souls that, yes, at the end of the day, people are responsible for their relationship with God. But there's the responsibility that I have to comfort people. I have to help people. I have to call them higher like, like Jesus did. And there's some deep stuff that happens in people's lives, in my lives. And when I'm going through a storm, sometimes I have to put that aside and be there to help people. And that's hard sometimes. I'm selfish in nature, and I'm prideful in nature, and I don't, I don't want to think about others sometimes. And I, and I think what it comes down to, if I'm being real, I don't want to be the guy that messes up this ministry after it's been brought from nothing for the past 10 years. And that goes back to a lot of my own sinful nature about how am I perceived and how do I look? And what does my standing look like? But I think in a lot of ways, it's, it scares me. I, I don't want to mess this thing up. And we've got an amazing team. And it's not me. And, and I think what happens when I get in that mindset is I lose sight of that. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry, right? It's not our leadership group ministry. It's not, it's not any of our, it's, it's God's church. And God is going to do with it what he wants despite us in a lot of ways. And also, I forget who's on my team. Jesus is on my team, right? I got the creator of the universe on my team. It's not a ghost, it's a Jesus, right? He's trying to help me out. And I want to encourage you is that if you're feeling fearful, whatever you're going through, if you're feeling like one of the, the men on the boat here, ask yourself, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the fears? Are you lying awake at night thinking about those things? Or are you focused on the creator of the universe? Because when you're focused on the fears, they get bigger, don't they? And when you're talking about them all the time, they almost get worse. Oh, yeah, that's tough, man. That's really hard. Uh, but also, if you focus on Jesus, the creator of the universe, the fears aren't that big. When Jesus gets in the boat with them, the wind goes away. And the fears don't become that big of a deal. We need to focus on Jesus. Don't let your fear control you. I love how Jesus says, he says, take courage. And then the why, well, why do I take courage, Jesus? Is what he says right after that. Because it is I. Take courage. It is I. It's Jesus. When you have your quiet times and you read, take courage. You're talking, this is, that's Jesus' love letter to you. That's God's love letter to you. You have a direct line when you pray to the creator of the universe. How cool is that? It's awesome. But we can so easily forget that. And we look at our fears, and we forget. And take courage. It is I. Isaiah 41, you don't have to turn there. 
going to read 13 through 16. It says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you like a threshing, threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them, and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them, the wind will pick up, and the gale will blow away, but you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Love how it says here, I myself will help you, declares the Lord. Whatever you guys are going through, I'm excited for the next few points here, but I think I, I really want to start it out that I love how Jesus immediately sees their need. He comforts the fearful. So if you're fearful right now, Jesus knows. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be there. But hang in there because a miracle is just around the corner. A guy's about to walk on water. A human being is about to walk on water. What miracle can be just around the corner for you? If you just remember, man, this is Jesus. Take courage, it is I. Second point is Jesus encourages boldness. Let's read Matthew 14, 28 through 29. So this is right after Jesus says, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he says. <laughs> Peter's funny, isn't he? Peter always, something about Peter, I, I just, I want to meet him someday in heaven, and what is his demeanor, what's he like? It, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Part of me thinks, I, again, I, I want to get into heaven and just see like a, a big slideshow on how this all went down. Part of me thinks that Peter was like, turns to his guys, and he's like, he may have thought, oh, you guys are crazy, it's nothing, you can't even see anything. Look, I'll call out, and nothing will say back, and we'll be fine. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out in the water. Expecting to hear nothing. Come! Oh. <laughs> Jesus called his bluff. So, I mean, what's Peter supposed to do now? I, okay, I guess I'm going. And so I've, I have so many questions here again. It's like, what was, what was his first step like? Like, how long did it take? Was it coming? Okay. Like, I doubt that. I'm sure it was like, yeah, this is uncharted territories here. Uh, here we go. What, what did it feel like when he stepped? Was it like a, was it like a hard surface? Like here, was it, was it sandy maybe a little bit or... Like, how did that feel? These are questions that I would ask Peter. I don't know if he'd remember at all. But they'd just be interesting questions to me. It was like a trampoline. Was it bouncy? Did he see fish? Like, I imagine walking and there's this big fish that goes under me. That'd be scary. Was, was, he, was he ankle deep? Or was he, like, on the wave? Because it's wavy, right? So does he go ankle deep and, like, was he, like, wet to here, or was he on the wave, and he'd go up and down, and he just, like, these are what's going through my mind, it's, this situation is just, like I said, it's uncharted territories, and Peter, he has the ultimate bragging rights, right, I, I imagine him talking with the guys afterwards, and they're pridefully talking about who's the greatest, and, um, and then Peter goes, he goes, guys, you remember that one time we were on the 
we're on the boat, and uh, everyone thought Jesus was a ghost, and he said, come out, and remember when we all, like, went and walked on the lake? Oh, wait, that was just me! Oh, man. And then Peter, and then Jesus just rebukes him, right? And says, you guys just go wash each other's feet. What are you doing? <laughs> and Peter's kind of like, yeah, that was a good one. I'm kind of proud of it. Regardless, Peter was bold, right? Peter was, at the end of the day, it was Jesus and Peter that walked on water. He's the only man to walk on water, and that's pretty amazing. He was bold. And there's something to be said about that. I, I think about... I was thinking about just examples in our, in our campus ministry over this past semester of people that have been bold. Some examples of that. And I've got a few here. One of them is Jason. Are you here? There's Jason. Um, Jason yesterday, if you, know, if you haven't met Jason, you need to meet Jason. He's like the greatest guy ever. Um, Jason got baptized in September, started, didn't know anything about the Bible until July. And he was at our leadership retreat we had these past few days. And um, he was inspired. We were having a conversation yesterday. And Jason's like, man, I, it's so cool to meet all these people from these other ministries in the heartland. I want to go over spring break and drive to each of them and just so I can encourage them and meet them. And I'm like, Jason, you're in luck. We do that already as a campus ministry. <laughs> it's called Campus Swap. He's like, oh, cool. That will save me gas money. <laughs> That just shows Jason's heart. We had this semester. We had it. We had an all-night prayer night, where we um, we just came here in the basement of the church building. And we prayed from from midnight to 5 a.m. and we prayed about different topics. About we prayed about hope. We prayed about uh, the harvest. We prayed about the hurts in our world, and it was awesome. It was so cool just to pray. Mitch currently, I think he's about done. He's he's writing a. It started as an essay. Um, but it has quickly evolved into a novel, a um, hundred-plus page paper on baptism, where he's just writing out, and, and the perp- it's not for school or anything, it's just his personal studies, because Mitch finds pleasure in this. Um, it, 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 he says it is awesome, I believe it. Can't wait to read it. I think that's cool. That's bold. Just going for it. Now, there's... I don't know if you guys have met Matthew, Matthew Vassell, he's not here, he's at home over the break, but um, he gave his testimony to over 300 plus people, I think. Connor, you were there, how many people were there? Where he gave his testimony to everyone. Okay, well, there's a lot of people. In my head, it was more. <laughs> Way to not lie. <laughs> 300. I just added a zero. Um, Shouldn't have asked him. (laughs) But it's the heart, right? It's the heart that matters. Um, It felt like they're, man, it was great. Um, But Matthew was baptized this past semester, and he stands up, and he gives his testimony to people in his class for school. I think it's so cool. It's bold. He steps out on faith. Uh, Becca is at Washburn, starts up a ladies' Bible talk. Because she's like, I want to reach out to girls that are at my university. And some of the girls went out there and helped her out, and they had people come out, and they're studying the Bible with people from Washburn. How awesome is that? That's bold. So I ask you, what about you? 
What can you do? How can you step out and be bold? When was the last time that, that you had a spiritual goal that the only way is it, that it was successful is that if Jesus intervenes? Something so bold that I am not capable of doing this on my own, the only way this happens is if there's some sort of divine intervention. I think about that in my life, it's, I can't even remember the time. Because it's scary. It's bold. For Peter to step out and walk on water, that's bold. When was the last time you had a goal that way? Because I think Jesus is, is sitting there thinking, challenge me, right? Challenge me. I, I want to open up the floodgates. I want to see you do amazing things. I just used my pinky for that. That was too easy. Make me work, right? Jesus wants that. He wants to be challenged. He wants to see you do amazing things and be bold. Jesus wants to see Peter walk on water. But he was so happy to see him walk on water. Jesus wants to see us do the remarkable. But that's not going to take unless that's not going to happen unless we're bold. So let's be bold. The third point is expect greatness. We Matthew 14, we're gonna read 30 through 32. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped and saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus' response here is pretty remarkable. So he catches him, right? Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. But what he says next is interesting. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If I'm Peter, I'm having a hard time with the you of little faith part. Because I'd be thinking, dude, I walked on water. Like, no one else has done that. Those guys didn't do it. Why, why are you talking to me? Like, shouldn't you be rebuking the guys in the boat? And then Jesus is like, if you only knew what I, could have, what I can do through you. You think, you think walking on water is cool? Man, you could have ran. You could have flown. You could have, you could have parted the seas like Moses. You could have brought all the fish up, and then dropped them all down. You name it. It would be kind of crazy. Give me like Aquaman part two. Jesus can do that. So yes, you have little faith. Because I could have done so much through you. If you were there, and if Jesus appears before you and you have your, your Jesus and Peter stepping out of the boat moment, what would Jesus say about your faith? If your ability to walk on water was contingent on your faith, would you be able to walk on water? How long would you stay up? Would you start sinking right away? What would Jesus say about your faith? 
What would Jesus say about our church's faith? Are we faithful? Do we call each other to expect greatness and to be faithful? Or do we settle? How about this? What, what would a, a first century Christian say about your faith? They're getting burned at the stake, eaten by lions, it's illegal. It's a threat to their life for them to proclaim Christ. I think that our faith is pretty pathetic compared to that. I think that my faith is pretty pathetic compared to that. That I'm afraid to reach out my hand and say hi to someone because they look intimidating. When first century Christians are dying, being burned at the stake because they will not denounce Christ. Where's your faith at? I think we've watered down our faith so much. I don't know if it's mainstream Christianity or it's, it's become too easy. What would Jesus say, if you were right here and you had a face-to-face with Jesus, what would he say about your faith? I know for me, it probably would be even worse than you have little faith. In your life right now, are you walking on water with eyes fixed on Jesus, or are you sinking, looking at the wind and the waves? He says, he says, why did you doubt? You have little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt can be defined as you're, you're divided in two. So when Jesus, or when Peter was doing well, he was totally with Jesus. When he doubted, he started to think about the other stuff, right? Are you divided in two, or do you have your eyes fixed on Jesus? If we're going to be great, we can't be divided. And it's kind of intimidating, but I love that Jesus expects greatness. He, he doesn't say, oh, you did a good job, Peter. You're the only other person to walk on water. No, he says, you have little faith. It's kind of convicting for me. Because Jesus expects so much more. In John 14, verse 12, you don't have to turn there. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. <laughs> Jesus did a lot of great things. And he says, man, you guys can do even greater things. I think we're selling ourselves short. I think I'm selling myself short in a lot of ways. Because Jesus expects greatness. What about in your interactions with each other? Do you expect greatness from each other? Or do you, call, do you really call each other higher? In a loving way. But dude, you're better than that. Sister, you can do better than that. Aren't you tired of doing the same old thing, the same old sin? We we talked about this a year ago. We talked about this two years ago. You're in the same exact spot. We need to call each other to that. Do we expect greatness from each other? Or we expect each other to be great? And do you surround yourself with people that expect greatness from you? 
Because sometimes people do, and you know those people, and you purposely avoid those people, right? Because I'm afraid to talk to that person because I know they're going to ask me the question that I don't want to be asked. Those are the people that you need in your life. Because those are the people that are going to push you. It's uncomfortable to grow. That's why it's growing pains. That's why that's a phrase. Surround yourself with people that will call you to be great. Now, greatness is not missing a quiet time all year. Maybe that was one of your New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to miss a time with God all year. I need it. Greatness is serving the poor at every chance you can get. Greatness is absolute purity. Greatness is we got our new family groups, right? The new adult family groups. Greatness is that every time we meet as a family group, we're going to have a full house. Because I love my family group, and it's awesome, and everyone else needs to be here too. Because we're going to talk about Jesus, and they need to hear it, and I need to hear it. It's going to be overflowing. We're going to have to get a new house, a bigger house. (laughs) That's what Jesus wants. That's what greatness is. Not just meeting together, but it being amazing when we meet together. Jesus expects greatness. He did with Peter, and he does with us. Guys, I... It was cool being able to study through these crucial conversations and interactions with Jesus. And I, I hope you got something from it these past two weeks. But Jesus is a, he's a master question asker. He's, his interactions with people truly change people's lives. Peter's never going to forget this. And I hope that you're getting that time with Jesus. I hope that you're having those conversations, those heart-to-hearts with Jesus. Because if you do, he'll change you. He expects greatness from you. He encourages you to be bold. And he comforts you when you're feeling fearful. Let's say a prayer. We'll close out. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to meet together. Uh, thank you for my family here. Um, God, I'm just grateful for your, your standard of, of greatness. That you, you expect so much and um, it's not just us, that, that it's you, and if we rely on you, God, we can do so many amazing things in our, in our personal lives, as a church, in our different family groups, God. I pray that 2019 is a year that you just blow it out of the water, God, and, and we look back, and, and we can only look back and say, man, that was just God. There, there's no way that I had anything to do with that. It was all God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.